0: Hey it's Ophira. So we are about to travel again with our live show but in the meantime we would like to share with you one of our favorite roadshow episodes. This one featuring Mad Men's creator Matt Weiner. Now we also got some help from Don Draper. That's right Golden Globe winner, Emmy winner John Hamm graced us with his smooth and unforgettable voice in a game that was specifically written just for Matt. You know what? You should travel with us. Yeah if you want to find out what town we're hitting next Just head over to amatickets.org.
1: From NPR and WNYC, live from the Lobero Theater in Santa Barbara, California, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
0: Thank you so much, Jonathan. We have such an exciting show for you. Our VIP was a writer and producer on The Sopranos, and he's the creator of the landmark television series, Mad Men, which brings me to something I've been meaning to tell you all. My real name is not Ophira Eisenberg. (laughs) I met Ophira Eisenberg in 2003 when I was waitressing in a comedy club. She died on stage that night, gave up her comedy career, and decided to go to med school. But I saw my opportunity for a better life, so I took hers. That's right. Anyway, our VIP is Matthew Weiner. And let's get the games rolling with our first two contestants, Jeff Jensen and Kirsten Finberg. Hello to you both. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Now, this is a strange coincidence that you're both professional bakers. Yes. That is true. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Is that just uh, is that common? Do you know a lot of professional bakers? Do you know each other?
2: We do now.
1: No, we just met. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And now we're in love. Now you're
0: (laughs) in (laughs) love. (laughs) Jeff, you're on board with that? Yeah. uh,
2: Yeah. Oh well. Yeah.
0: Good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so uh, here's a question. What movie do you think should have won an Oscar for Best Picture but was robbed? Jeff?
2: The Blues Brothers.
0: The Blues Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> have, How about you, Kirsten? Um, I really like the imitation game. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it was definitely nominated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, this game is called And the Oxcar Goes to. Ha ha. Yes, because you might notice that Oxcar is one letter away from Oscar. And there's a reason for that. The answers in this game will be Academy Award winners for best picture, except we have changed exactly one letter in each title. So we're gonna give you clues to the movie and the altered word, and you have to give us the altered title. So for an example, let's go to our house musician, Jonathan Kilton.
1: Hello, Fear. If we said, this iconic Woody Allen movie tells the story of the woman who invented the suburban shopping center, you would say Annie Mall. One letter off from Annie Hall, (laughs) and obviously they named it after her, Annie Mall. That's why they call it a mall.
0: So remember, these are all best picture winners, so a tactic you could use is just to go through all 87 films in your head and just change one letter and, you know, then you'll win. Okay, here we go. This Steven Spielberg epic tells the story of a heroic German industrialist and all the fuzz that accumulated in his pockets during World War II. Jeff
2: Schindler's Lint.
0: Yes, you are correct.
1: Jodie Foster tracks a serial killer who is obsessed with how quiet all of his lighting fixtures are. Kirsten.
0: Silence of the Lamps. That's correct. (laughs) An Iraq war bomb expert is sent to Central Asia to build storage boxes in Mongolian tents. Take it away. Puzzle guru Will Hines, do you have a hint for the fine contestants?
3: I should, right? Um, that is my job. It's just such a tough one. I am. Um...
2: Kirsten. Is it the Yurt
0: Locker? It is the Yurt Locker. Wow.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. That's a nice pull, Kirsten. That's a okay. very nice pull. John Nash, a brilliant but schizophrenic mathematician, contributes to the gorgeous design of a 1960s short, short skirt. Jeff. A beautiful mini skirt? Uh, You've changed more than one letter in that answer. I'll give you a chance to just rework it a little bit, just change. A beautiful hind?
0: we've been looking for for every question
3: you're supposed to change
1: one letter not improve the entire (laughs) movie
3: and concept of the game
1: a beautiful mini is what we were looking for
3: yeah you said it that's two that's two letters different No, just no
1: Jeff it's not
3: okay
0: This 1983 Shirley MacLaine tearjerker explores the turbulent relationship between a mother, a daughter, and a chemical process that makes hair curly. Perms of Endearment? Yes, Kirsten. (laughs) Did you like that movie? Oh, Cried Like a Baby. I know! That one and Bette Midler's Bleaches.
1: (laughs) This is your last clue. It's the moving saga of a free man who is forced to grow a beard only cutting it once every 144 months. I think, oh, Jeff just... 12 p- years a shave. You got it, Jeff, that's right. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: puzzle Guru Will Hines, who won that
3: game? That's a tie, so I think we have to go to a tiebreaker. Yeah. Hands on your buzzers. This exploration of the racial and social tensions in Los Angeles features the interweaving of several different characters' garbage. Kirsten. Trash. That is correct. What a battle. Very close match, but Kirsten, you're our winner. We'll see you in the final round.
0: For a game called Game Show or No Game Show, say hello to our contestants, Amy Perkowski and Bonnie Connect. <laughs> so we're fairly confident that both of you like game shows because you are here. This is true. So, uh, what is your favorite one growing up, Amy? Uh, I always remember watching The Price is Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 I liked it too. Yeah. Have you watched it recently? I haven't, actually. I I work during the daytime, yeah. so... Good for you. Yeah. You have a job and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about you, Bonnie? What's your favorite game show? We watched a lot of TV land, so it would be What's My Line. Ah, What's My Line is fantastic! Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah when they had the cow one. washer on twice to watch how her job was washing cows. Right, no, exactly. No one guessed that. Well, that was a hard one to guess, yeah. It's Almost right. as hard as this game, which is called Game Show or No Game Show, because we're going to read you some real and made-up game shows from around the world, okay? And you just have to yell game show if you think it's real or no game show if you think it's fake. And you actually don't need the buzzers. We're gonna rotate back and forth, but there still will be a winner. Okay, Bonnie, we're gonna start with you. The Dylan Thomas pub quiz on BBC radio, Welsh celebrities answer trivia questions about Welsh poet and playwright Dylan Thomas. And since it's public radio, the winner does not go gentle into that good night with an actual prize unless you count personal satisfaction. i say not a game show. You'd hope. But that is a game show. No, okay. Oh. All right. How long could that game show possibly last? That's is what best. I thought. Mm-hmm. And you know what the answer is? Two episodes! <laughs> it lasted twice, and yeah. then they
3: were like, no. Even in Wales, they were like, that's enough. <laughs> that's, that's enough. <laughs>
0: Amy, fawn, fawn, fawn. In this low-budget Scottish public television version of Name That Tune, songs are sung in Gaelic and played on the ukulele and kazoo by Scottish singer-songwriter Findlay Napier. I really want that to be true, so I'm gonna say game show. You are correct, that is a game show. Although, I do believe low-budget Scottish public television show is redundant. (laughs) Back to you, Bonnie. Professor's showdown. In Croatia, two PhD candidates are asked a battery of 1,000 questions on live TV. Whoever answers the most correctly gets a three-year contract to teach at a Croatian community college. (laughs) The loser becomes their TA. As I'm in education, I really hope that that does exist, so I'll say, yes, it is a game show. No, that is not a game show. (laughs) Amy, this game is called Who's Your Daddy? In this U.S., that's right, United States-based game show, a young woman meets eight men, one of whom is her long-lost father. Each man tries to convince her that he's her real father over several days of bonding, and at the end, if the woman picks her real father, they split the prize. If she picks the imposter, the imposter gets all of the prize money. That sounds both evil and sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with game show. It was on Fox. You are correct. (laughs) Here we go, Bonnie. Win your annulment... Divorce is basically illegal in the Philippines. On this Filipino game show, Win Your Annulment, three unhappily married couples attempt to epically fail at a series of personality quizzes to prove that they are incompatible. The couple that scores the fewest points wins an annulment. Let's call it a game show. No, that's oh. not a game show. <laughs> Zero for three, sounds that's good. That's okay. okay. I do love the idea of a quiz where people have to fail. Just that, yeah. I'm winning that one. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Amy, penitents compete. This Turkish pilot starts like an old joke. A rabbi, a priest, a monk, and an imam greet a series of 10 atheists trying to convert each one to their faith. If they succeed, the now converted atheist wins a trip to the holy land of their new chosen faith. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, <a>
3: game show. <laughs> that is a game show.
0: That is a real game show.
3: What a strange talent you have, Amy. What a.
0: I pick ridiculous very well. (laughs) I do not, that's all.
3: Well, uh, it was an interesting round, but our winner for that was Amy. So well done, Amy, and we will see you in our final round at the end of the show.
0: As Don Draper might say, Ask Me Another isn't just an hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. It's a map between your brain and your heart. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg from NPR. Let's take a moment to thank and share a message from our sponsor, Plated. Plated helps you create exciting new dinners at home every week, regardless of cooking experience. First, choose from recipes designed to fit a wide range of tastes and preferences. Next, you'll get step-by-step recipe cards in a hand-packed, insulated box with fresh produce and antibiotic-free meats delivered straight to your door and ingredients are pre-portioned, so no food goes to waste. Go to plated.com ask for terms and details, and to get a free dinner for two with your first delivery. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Ask Me Another, and you know what else you should check out? Check out the How To Do Everything podcast with Mike and Ian. So among other things, they tell you how to find giant insects. I'm not sure why you'd want to find giant insects, but maybe so you know where to avoid. They help you talk about the stock market and how to welcome extraterrestrials. The How to Do Everything podcast is modern life lessons for now and the future from NPR, but you can find it now at npr.org slash podcasts and on your NPR One app. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and we're live from the Lubero Theater in Santa Barbara, California. <laughs> Let's say hello to Brian Mathis and Kayla Grog. Hello. Hi. Hi. Kayla, you're in a skincare business. Awesome. Can you give us one essential skincare tip? Yes. Great. Wash your face morning and night. Uh, that sounds like a lot of commitment to my face. It, it is. It is. But it's worth it. I All promise. All right. Good. <laughs> Kayla, what mode of travel, like real or imagined, would you love to partake in? You know, since space travel has become commercially available, yeah. I am so onto that. All right. Just launch into space. Launch and, it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Brian?
3: I'm with Kayla. I would uh, take Millennium Falcon travel lines. From Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I think Chewbacca makes a great co-pilot. So. Neither of you should ever watch Gravity. Uh,
0: <laughs> so this game is called Come Sail Away, and it's a music game, so let me turn it over to Captain Jonathan Coulton.
1: Uh, in honor of our proximity to the sea, we have rewritten the lyrics to the song Sloop John B. The verses will contain clues about real or fictional vessels that have sailed the seas or the stars. Mm. I know you guys are excited about that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All you have to do is ring in and tell me the name of the vessel that I'm singing about. You ready? Ready. Yes. Here we go. We set out to sail the sea From England to NYC Around the Labrador we did roam Carousing was nice Till we hit some ice Now the ship's all broke up I wish I'd stayed home Brian? The Titanic The Titanic, yes (laughs) That's what they call a gimme, Brian (laughs) But well done, well done I took it So gather the beasts aboard Pairs that make up a horde have it on good authority it will rain a whole lot of rain did I build this in vain yeah yeah wait how big's a cubit (laughs) this flood is a pain Kayla The Ark The Ark yes Noah's Ark that's correct Unless you meant Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) No, I did not. (laughs) So here is your captain and crew. They are expecting you. Get to the Lido deck. Time to start a romance. Don't miss your chance. Go ask that hot chick to dance. And if that don't work out, Throw Julie a glance. Brian.
3: I don't think I heard right, but I'm going to say the love boat.
1: The love boat is okay. correct. You got it. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to know what, uh, what you heard that you thought did not jive with the uh, love boat.
3: I don't know. I thought you were referring to Star Trek for some reason, but
1: maybe that's just wishful thinking on your part. <laughs> I'm just baking on the Enterprise. We'll be up there here soon. Go. Here we go. The pilot is grouchy. Yes, sir. First mates covered in fur. The ship's been used for smuggling cargo so far. Now it must fight. Help the Skywalker plight. Yeah, this hunk of junk will defeat the Death Star. Brian. <sighs>
3: the Millennium
2: Falcon? <laughs> yes. Wow.
3: Uh, (laughs) Relative to this show, that's pretty cool. In any other context, not that cool.
1: (laughs) It's true. Here we go. The scientist, he had a clue How bird beaks over time grew In the Galapagos is where Charles brainstormed Evolving won't quit Survival means you are fit Yeah, yeah This dog named where this theory was formed. Kayla?
2: The Labrador?
1: That is a dog, but that is incorrect. (laughs) Brian, do you know the answer? Nope. (laughs) 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 What we're looking for is the HMS Beagle. Uh, Charles Darwin's ship.
0: That's the one we don't know, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars, we got that. Yep, the one
3: based on evolution. Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, we got that, but... The one that matters, we don't know. Yeah, we don't Love Boat, we had solid. <laughs> Love
0: Boat, no problem.
3: Captain Steubing will be remembered forever, but Darwin, I can't recall. I know, Charles Darwin right now is like rolling in his grave going, what do I have to do? By his own theory, he should have been more fit. <laughs> uh, Will Hines, how did our contestants do? They both did great, Jonathan, but our winner for that round was Brian, so Brian, we'll see you in the final round.
0: Our next game is called Like a Confused Boss, and here to play it are Nick Dugan and Sarah Payden.
1: Nick, what is one of the most annoying things a boss has said to you or asked you to do? Uh, one time I had a boss who told me to get the, uh, the equipment for an event out of the shed without telling me that the shed was full of spiders. Oh, yeah, nice. So that was really uh, nice of them. What kind of equipment was this? It was something stupid like trash cans or something.
0: Sarah, how about you? I had an internship at the university here, so my boss was a professor, and he made me redo my uh, my CV about 16 times before he allowed me to then send it out into the uh, working world. And was it minor things?
1: Oh yeah, it was. You know, you didn't have a comma or something, and it was. What a monster! He made you proofread your resume. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) To fix commas and spelling errors and stuff. Throw that guy in the
3: spider shed. (laughs) So in this game, we're going to take
0: business jargon that gets thrown around in meetings on a literal level. We'll give you a sentence with an overly literal misuse of a common business cliche, and you're going to give us the cliche. For an example, let's go to puzzle guru Will Hines.
3: Sure. So uh, contestants, uh, if you hear, I really need you to force the flat rectangular paper container to move forward, you'd say, push the envelope. (laughs) What's an envelope? Get in the spider shed, mister. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't need your attitude. I'm starting to agree with your bosses.
0: <laughs> Here we go. I don't need an exact amount. Just give me a number that fits an attractive land where a popular American sport is played.
4: Just there. give me a
0: ballpark number. Yeah, ballpark figure, exactly. <clears throat> we can't blame everything on Jenkins. It will look like we're propelling him beneath a large motor vehicle carrying many passengers on a fixed route. Nick.
1: We're throwing him under the bus. That's
3: right.
0: I think we exhausted this marketing discussion. We don't want to assault a deceased herbivorous ungulate mammal. Nick.
1: We certainly don't want to beat a dead horse. No,
0: we don't. Carol in accounting says we did really well last quarter. Our product is being purchased like flat crepes made from a starch-based batter and fried on a griddle. Sarah. They're selling like hotcakes. Hotcakes, exactly, you got it.
3: I like the idea of a mass of people just screaming for hotcakes, though. You know, like the demand is so intense. (laughs) More (laughs)
1: hotcakes!
0: I know, it would be like both frightening and sweet. All right, this is your last clue. If you want the corner office someday, you need to be more organized. You need to get your broad-billed, web-footed, waterfowl lined up beside each other. Nick.
1: You need to get your ducks in a row.
0: You sure do, that's right.
3: That was a very close one, Ophira, but the winner for that round was Nick. So Nick, we'll see you in the final round.
0: Are you ready to take it to the next level and give us your 110%? Be a contestant on Ask Me Another. Just send us an email at askmeanother at npr.org to take our contestant quiz. It'll be a win-win situation.
1: (laughs) Beautiful (laughs) stranger.
0: This game is called, you call that an ending? Let's welcome James Gallen and Adar Eisenbrook. What TV series would you personally like to be on, James?
2: I'd love to be on Top Chef.
0: Oh, yeah? Are you a chef?
1: No, I like to eat. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be a judge? Uh, Yeah, sure, I'd be a judge, or sometimes I just have people on, they're
2: like, what'd you think about it? It's really good. (laughs) Okay. I, I like could that. do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Adar?
2: Uh, when I was in high
1: school, I would have given anything to be a character on the West Wing. Either the TV show or an actual presidential person in the West Wing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Reality or fantasy, right. would either have taken way. I
2: either one, yeah.
0: Do you work in uh, politics of any kind? Nope. Nope. <laughs> so... Yeah. That was just like something you...
2: Just a thing I was really, really into. In high school? And a little after, yeah. And then? And then grad school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right, and what do you do now?
2: I'm in grad school. Oh, yeah, all right. (laughs) Perfect.
0: So we're going to be talking to Matthew Weiner in a little bit about the final season of Mad Men, and it made us think about how a lot of television series end in really bizarre ways.
1: And we are going to summarize some TV show final episodes that caused more than their share of head-scratching, and all you have to do is tell us which TV series we're talking about. And, of course, the winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. You ready? The family
0: matriarch sits with her typewriter in the basement. A voiceover tells us that she never won the lottery. It was just a fantasy. Worse, we find out that Dan has been dead for the entire last season. Mrs. Connor curls up on a ratty couch turns on the TV as a quote from Lawrence of Arabia flashes on the screen. James. Roseanne. That is correct, Roseanne.
1: It was a weird one. Oh, I love Roseanne. That was like the best show growing up. I wasn't allowed to watch it because I was too little, but I used to sneak in. And they thought you in. would be
0: influenced by that show in a bad way?
1: Uh, you know, working class. I, I don't think it was like a bad thing. <laughs> You don't want to you show kids a lot me. of working-class stuff. Yeah. We just watched Dynasty and went, no, yeah. <laughs> Aspirational television.
0: People who work nine to five jobs aren't beneath you, James. <laughs> Did you grow up really rich,
1: James? No, and I'm unemployed now. Okay. So. <laughs> so, Our leading man takes his sister off life support and dumps her body in the ocean. Days later, we find out that he is dead, too. Fade to black. But wait! Suddenly we're in the Pacific Northwest, where our hero is hiding out, working as a truck driver. His beard is longer, and he's wearing flannel. James. Dexter. Dexter is correct.
0: I love a disguise where your
1: beard is just longer. Right. I'm I'm wearing that right now. Yeah, you're wearing it.
0: Our protagonist walks down a busy New York street in the same fur coat she wore in the series premiere. Her pink cell phone rings, she checks the caller ID, and finally, we learn that Mr. Big's real first name is, wait for it, John. James.
1: Sex in the City.
0: Sex in the City, yep.
1: My wife watched that movie every day for like a year. Oh. The one, not two.
0: Yeah, thank you, yeah. thank you.
3: <laughs> she has standards.
0: Yeah, that me. is, thank goodness.
3: No working class people in it either, so both. <laughs>
1: Both spouses okay. are happy. Safe, Safe okay. to watch. The citizens of Walnut Grove, Minnesota, discover that their small town has been purchased by a rich robber baron. In a bizarre attempt to preserve their dignity, Laura and the townsfolk elect to blow up their own homes. We watch everything explode. I remember watching this. It was weird. Twin Peaks? <laughs> It's a a fine guess, but it's incorrect. Adar, do you know the answer? There is a chance that I misrepresented my skill set during the application (laughs)
3: process.
2: (laughs) I I don't know the answer.
1: I have never watched television. I do not know what television is. Not
3: a day goes by that I don't think the same thing. (laughs) I know. Do you watch a lot of television? Well,
1: I thought I did,
3: but
2: apparently... (laughs)
1: Not nearly enough. You're wasting all your time in grad school. <laughs> yeah. You got to be unemployed like James. See, right. Still plenty of time for television. Yeah. The answer we were looking for was Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. It's a bizarre way to end that series.
0: We're in present-day New York City. Everyone's married to or about to get married to their high school sweetheart. After six years of guessing, we finally find out which character Kristen Bell was performing her voiceover for. And it was a guy.
2: James. Gossip Girl. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Wow. I don't feel bad that he got it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad that I got it.
1: This children's series ends with Earl Sinclair gathering his family in the living room. He tells his children that his attempts to tamper with nature have set about the end of the world. What's going to happen to us? His adorable baby asks. The snow outside the window answers the question. Global cooling has doomed their entire species. James! Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs! Are you kidding me? I have nothing to do!
3: Who knew that Gossip Girl and Dinosaurs was reaching the same demographic?
1: (laughs) (laughs) breaking all the models, James. It's fantastic. I'm a renaissance man. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to give you a job right now, James. Will you watch television for me? <laughs> I will. Yeah, you could do coverage or something at the very something, least. Something, yeah.
0: Scheduling. Maybe scheduling would be good for you because you're like, 8 a.m., I watch dinosaurs.
3: <laughs> I don't get up until noon. <laughs> you're not, not selling us.
0: Yeah, you're just bragging now, really. All right. We're in church. Nearly all of the show's main characters, including deceased ones, hug and exchange meaningful looks, but no one says a word. Cut to the bamboo forest, where our bleeding protagonist is taking his final breath. Now we're back in church, as blinding light swallows the scene, the last shot. Jack's eye closes.
1: Sorry. Lost?
0: Lost is correct. Yes. (laughs)
3: Puzzle Guru Will Hines. I mean, in the realms of honesty, they were both winners. <laughs> but Thank you. in terms of knowing maybe an unflattering amount about the end of a lot of television series, James was the clear winner. So uh, James, well done. You're moving on to the final round.
0: Zoom zoom. Coming up we'll put our VIP Matthew Weiner on the other side of the pitch table. So stay tuned. This is Ask Me Another from NPR. Just reminding you to check out the How to Do Everything podcast with Mike and Ian. It is a hilarious podcast where they tell you how to do everything, like how to find giant insects, how to welcome extraterrestrials, how to talk about the stock market so you sound like you know about the stock market. It's Modern Life Lessons for you to use now and in the future from NPR. How to do everything you can find it right now at NPR.org/podcasts and on your NPR One app. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and please welcome our VIP, the creator of the television series Mad Men, Matthew Weiner.
2: Hello, Santa Barbara.
0: (laughs) Now, I know that this is, you know, a high-pressure game show environment for you, but it's not the highest-pressure game show environment that you've ever been part of. No, it's not. Because people don't know this, not everyone knows this, but Matthew Weiner was a Jeopardy! champion. (laughs) you got to tell us a story.
2: Uh, It was the only money I earned for the first (laughs) five years of my marriage. (laughs) And uh, I watched every day, and uh, I'd watched through college and done badly in some classes because it was on in the afternoon, but I am... Kind of a trivia person. I grew up with, you know, the Guinness Book of Records and the Trivia Encyclopedia and the Book of Lists, and I did that instead of reading books.
0: So you know that they say write what you know. Yes. And here you were raised in L.A. Your father was a neuroscientist. Yes, is. Is a neuroscientist. Your mother went to law school. Yes. So why write a show that is set in an ad agency (laughs) in the 60s in New York?
2: I don't know. No one's ever asked me that. I get asked a lot of stuff. I'd never been asked that. I mean, when I was on The Sopranos, I remember someone coming up to me, I go, I heard you're the uh, son of a Jewish doctor from Hancock Park. What are you doing here? And I'm like, well, I have what they call an imagination. I mean, you know, you dream of what you dream of. You know, I didn't change my name or anything like that, but I definitely thought this, I was interested in the period. Um, I'd worked in TV for a while, and certainly an advertising agency has all the same problems of the creative versus the business and the personality types and being a writer, a creative person that's being paid and under the gun. Right. You know, you're, you're given a lot of leeway. You know, you, you can play cards all day and still, as long as you deliver, you know, when's, when's it due is really what matters. So I sort of identify with the whole environment. And I just like the period, you know? I like the entertainment from that period. And I, I just, I don't know, it's, that's so what it was. Yeah, so,
0: but you, were, you didn't grow up in the 60s because you're... I was
2: born, I'm the same age as baby Jean on the show. I was born in 1965. Oh. Yeah.
0: I can understand why, because of the time period, too, why it spans so many ways. Like, people react to that time period in so many different ways. Like, that is an amazing... I think it was
2: kind of forgotten in a way, too. I think that people sort of thought that it, you know it sort of went from like, you know, Marilyn Monroe to Woodstock. And I don't think that they knew that there was this whole sort of like, you know they, know, they know about Camelot, they know about the Kennedy assassination, but I don't think they know that this was a gradual change, you know. And I was just really interested in like, if I got to do the show and cover 10 years in their life, <sighs> even though the first season was all about how it's not the way you think it was, it, they were not innocent, when you got to the end, you'd look back and say, oh, they're so innocent. Right. <laughs> because we're, just, we're just human beings, you know.
0: So, when we watch the show, when I watch the show, Mad Men, you know, it's cinematic, it's subtle, there's lots of subtext. Yeah. Uh, but did you get pressure from the network to give
2: more exposition? And maybe,
0: you know, they were like, make it so everyone can understand what's They're, going on. Yeah,
2: they had never made a TV show before. Right. I mean, I was kind of like, you know, I was the expert. Right. You know, and I had been standing next to greatness. I was on The Sopranos for the last three years of the show. You know, it was a, a, a huge hit, a multi billion dollar industry when I showed up. And so I just sort of said, well, over at The Sopranos, and I didn't know anything. I was, a high, I was an employee, you know, I was a writer, but I was an employee. David yeah. Chase was the genius over there. So. But I, I, I used that trump card a lot. I was like, well, David always said, if, if he knew the stuff that I said that he said, <laughs> David always said we should have a Starbucks run right around 3 o'clock. <laughs> I know it's going to come out of the budget, but, you know, an army runs on its Starbucks. (laughs) Napoleon actually said that.
0: (laughs) Now, we're all about to experience the finale, uh, but, of course, you have had it in your head for many years. Yes. How many years? When did you Um, you have it? I knew
2: what was going to happen when I pitched the show to AMC. Okay. Okay, but I didn't know how it was going to happen until probably three or four years ago. I know, I was listening to, I do not want to end up being a question on that previous quiz. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's all I was thinking about. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> there couldn't be any more pressure on it anyway, so what am I going to say? Like you're going to love it? Right. You're going to hate it? I don't know. I, I like it. Here, the, the writers liked it, the actors liked it, at least they acted like they liked it, <laughs> and, and my wife liked it, and my wife hates everything. All right. She doesn't hate the show, but my wife does not lie to me. I'm very excited to, like, for people to see it, honestly, oh, yeah. I, you know, and mean, for it to be complete. I do have a feeling, you know, I didn't finish anything until I was 30 years old. I did not finish the script. I did not finish my thesis in college. I didn't finish that sentence. I, 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 I and, and the idea that we really finish this thing, I have like a certain, it's a kind of adulthood
0: and it's, 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 it's 14 years between when you wrote
2: the pilot and, and right now. And right now, 14 years. Took seven to get on the air, and then we've been on the air for seven. And interestingly enough, there is a year, uh, there are seven years between writing the pilot and writing the second episode. So, because I got to go on The Sopranos and go to school. Yeah. That was very helpful. But you know, never give up. Never you give up. Just can't give up. Oh my god, you can never give up. I I just can't believe that it happened. It, it exceeded all my expectations. I just think about like think having it and like being told over and over and over again even by people who thought the writing was good and it was an excellent pilot whatever that it would never work, that no one would be interested in it, that the hero was unlikable, that the <laughs> that period was too expensive, that the their greatest concern and this really proved to be wrong, is that no one outside the United States would have any interest in this story because it's so American. And I was like, this is the American hero era. That's right. And it's a story of a lot of successful people over the world, and I kind of wanted to say that too. Like, in America, you can come from nowhere and from another country or from a West Virginia mining town and or whatever and make up your whole life and not know your parents that well or whatever and You know, you may never heal from the wounds of that existence, but you can make it. You can really make it. I mean, it's just like this is a place for for that kind of hope. So I wanted to tell that story.
0: Well, that story and, I mean, frankly, your story of, like, here you are, a
2: struggling screenwriter in Hollywood that everyone said no to. I was Linda's loser husband. (laughs) You should know that. That was my title. I was the guy who you might ask to go get someone if they were coming into the airport in the middle of the day.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: And uh, 14 years later... Yes.
0: uh, ...creator of one of the greatest television series on TV in in most of our... In in my life, that is for sure.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Thank you.
0: So, this is what we've cooked up for you. We thought uh, we would pitch you some modern products... In the Mad Men style that you made famous. Okay. And all you have to do is tell us what product we are pitching. And these are the stakes of the game. If you get enough right, Beth Goldman of Plano, Texas is going to win a prize.
2: Okay. Yes. All right, Beth. That's a real place.
0: Plano,
3: Texas? Yeah.
2: (laughs) That sounds like a writer, like, I need a town in Texas. (laughs) It's tough. Can't be Waco. It's got other associations. I need something. But sure. I'm from Plano.
0: Now, for this game, we had some friends, and by that I mean some of your friends. Oh,
4: man. Record
0: these clues. Oh, okay. So here's your first clue.
4: The world can seem a cold, indifferent place. But that's not how life started out for you. In her womb, your mother warmed you with her body. Now it's time to warm yourself. In a blue polyester blanket. With sleeves.
2: (laughs) The snuggly. Is that Vincent?
0: That, yes, that is. Yeah, Vincent Karthizer agreed yes, to do that for us. That's fantastic. Uh, and I like that you said, you said Snuggly?
2: It's not called the Snuggly. Uh, the, that's a not, better name than the real one. Name. Yeah. What's it called?
0: Well, there's Snuggy and there's Slanket.
2: I can't believe I got to edit a letter. I'm sorry about that's that.
0: That's okay. We might accept it, just so All right, you know. Okay. Here's your next one
4: You can tell a lot about a man by what's in his suit jacket a matchbook from a bar in Saint-Tropez, a crumpled receipt from Tiffany's, chips from a casino in Marrakesh. That man only carries what he needs. And if he needs Philly steak and cheese, pepperoni pizza, or cheddar cheeseburger, he can carry it in his hand in a steaming, microwavable crust pouch. A self-contained meal for the self-contained man.
2: The Hot Pocket.
1: That is the Hot Pocket.
3: <laughs> and what's interesting is that was Christina Hendricks. That's what's... <laughs> the most interesting thing.
0: That was John Ham doing a Don John Draper. Hamm. Have you ever woken up with a Hot Pocket beside you? No
2: explanations? I, no, I have not. But I have gotten the, uh, you know, traditional third degree burn on the roof of my mouth. <laughs> the traditional,
0: the patented three degree, yes. the promised as advertised.
2: You won't need that layer of skin.
0: <laughs> it's gonna grow back nice and young. All right, here's your next one.
4: Every woman has secrets. Every woman holds in and compresses her real self so the truth can't shake loose. (laughs) Every woman should be able to change her shape. And here's why the name rhymes with thanks. It'll shock her how much her thighs don't move.
2: (laughs) Spanks, it's great. (laughs) Uh,
0: I do hate it when the truth shakes loose. Here's your next one.
4: In the time before mirrors, Narcissus was fascinated by his reflection in the water. Since then, we've been obsessed with the way others see us. Today, you can capture every duck
3: face on your phone, but you're still limited by the length of your arm. You
4: deserve to know how you look from farther away. All you have to do is hold out for more.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they're called. I have one. I know. You what have I, one? <laughs> Yes, it was given to me. I don't. I, my son uses it all the time to have a conversation and take a picture while you don't know it. What is that stick? The camera on the stick. The, what is that thing called? Oh, they just banned them in everywhere. In museums. In museums. And stuff yeah. Like that. yeah. They're named I, after the type of photo of your of of you. Oh, it's called a selfie stick. Yeah. Wow. Oh. <laughs> these are very. These are very good. These are very poetic.
0: All right, we've got a couple more. See if you get this next one.
4: In the Ruby Yacht, Omar Khayyam wrote, the moving finger writes and having writ, moves on. What else can the moving finger do? Cure loneliness. (laughs) Swipe left and see a different face. (laughs) Swipe right and you're no longer alone because you know what you like as soon as you see it. And sometimes all that matters is proximity. (laughs) Tinder.
0: Tinder!
2: See, I'm not that old. I know Frank Sinatra and Tinder.
0: Yeah. And how do you know Tinder?
2: Uh, I work in a writer's room. Oh, yeah. I know everything that is in that end of the world.
0: Uh, This is your last question.
4: Okay. To be a pioneer is to build your own environment and rename things to your liking. I want to call my bookcase Billy. I want to call my coffee table Cragsta. (laughs) and I want to build them with my own hands and a little Z-shaped tool. (laughs) Rename your environment and try the tiny little meatballs. Ikea.
2: Ikea, that is correct. I have this node on my wrist here from putting together a bunk bed for my son from Ikea. I do remember too trying to climb up this thing and trying to get his tooth out from under his his pillow to, for the tooth fairy thing and just hearing it going
3: <laughs>
2: and I was like how am I going <laughs> to what if this thing collapses <laughs> My, he'll know there's no tooth fairy <laughs> that is the real problem yeah, yeah.
0: well you did it you All got up right it, you, it upright. All you right. and beth goldman
2: your, your ads are great. Oh, thank you. They're really you. funny. The, all the questions on this are fantastic. Oh, thank you I so much. I wish I had some place to employ some of these people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, fingers crossed you write a game show. <laughs> thank you so much. Matthew Weiner, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champions, so let's bring back... Kirsten, Amy, Brian, Nick, and James to play our Ask Me One More Final Round. And our puzzle guru, Will Hines, will lead this final round, titled Street Smarts.
3: Yes, that's right, Ophira. We're here in Southern California, where the car is king and traffic is queen. And in this final round, the answers are common phrases and proper names that contain a type of roadway. So, for example, if I said, this iconic Green Day song appears on the album American Idiot, you would say, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. All right, we're playing this uh, spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You only have a few seconds to give us an answer. Last person standing is the Ask Me Another grand winner, and for your prize, you'll receive a special Mad Men finale poster autographed by Matthew Weiner. All right, here we go. Kirsten, this is where Cookie Monster, Oscar the Grouch, and Elmo live.
1: Sesame Street.
3: That's right. Amy, Article 3 of the Constitution created the judicial branch of the U.S. government, including this panel of nine people in black robes. Congress Section- way. What's that? Congress way. Uh, no, step aside. We'll see if we can steal this. Brian? The Supreme Court. That's right. Court is a roadway. Nick, this Daily Planet reporter is Superman's main love interest. Lois Lane. That's right. James, the cover of this Beatles album shows the band in a crosswalk outside their recording studio. Abbey Road. Abbey Road, that's right, yes. Kirsten, he's the target of many assassination attempts by Wile E. Coyote.
0: Uh, The Roadrunner.
3: That's right. Brian, Johnny Depp starred in this TV series about young-looking police officers. Chips. (laughs) Uh, All right, step aside. We'll see if it can be stolen. Nick? 21 Jump Street. That's right. So, Brian, you're out. James. Regrets. Frank Sinatra's had a few, but recording this signature song is not one of them. My way. Yes. Kirsten. This long-running 90s primetime soap was a spinoff of Beverly Hills 90210. (whistles) All right, step aside. Nick.
1: Melrose Place.
3: That's it. We're down to two players, Nick and James. James. A Broadway musical starring some body puppets. Avenue Q. That's right. Nick, named after a swanky Manhattan thoroughfare, this candy bar has a chocolate-covered, crunchy peanut butter center. Fifth Avenue. That's right, James. This 1992 boys-to-men song was originally written by Babyface for the film Boomerang. All right, Nick, you can take it here. Is it end of the road? Nick, you have just won Ask Me Another. You are our grand winner. Congratulations,
0: Nick. Well done. And that is our show. Thank you so much for playing. You can check out our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, and you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at NPR Ask Me Another. And come see us live. Go to amatickets.org. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Will Hines. Hey, my name anagrams, to hell I wins. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou jolt a cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung, with additional puzzle writing by Eric Feinstein, Greg Pliska, Greg Volk, and senior writers Karen Lurie and Kyle Beakley. Ask Me Another's produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogerson, Denny Shin, Lena Masitzes, Travis Larchuk, and our intern, Aaron James. Gene Miser. Along with Portia Robertson-Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore. We'd like to thank the Lobero Theater, John Hamm, Vincent Parthizer, Sage Publications, and our production partner, WNYC. And a special thanks to General Manager, Mary Olson, and the staff at KCLU Radio and California Lutheran University. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. (laughs) Next time on Ask Me Another, Star Trek actor and social media icon George Takei gives us some badly needed instructions.
1: Apply to wet hair, working into a gentle lather with fingertips. Rinse well.
0: Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. Game on!